Hi everyone, Lucy Kippis here. I'm the editor of Flying Solo and the host of this podcast, where we peek inside the everyday lives of our inspiring small business community. A new and favourite part of my morning routine is to flip open to a page and read an excerpt from a book called The One Minute Coach that was written by a good friend of Flying Solo, insecurity coach, Jamin Fraser. Jamin is no stranger to this podcast. I've spoken to him several times in in the last couple of years, but for those of you who may not be aware of his work, Jamin is an insecurity coach who basically believes the biggest block to our success and happiness in life is our refusal to look at our insecurities right in the eye. Jamin, welcome back to Flying Solo and congratulations on this book. Hey, Lucy. Thanks for having me again. Uh, I appreciate that. That's great. So was it that you you published two books last year, this one and the other one? Yeah, I got a bit carried away. I I did put two (laughs) books out last year. And you were telling me before that you've got another one in the works. So you must be really into this writing thing now. Yeah, a a reluctant writer. I heard Jerry Seinfeld interviewed on Tim Ferriss uh, on his podcast and he identifies himself as a writer. Uh, and it really something clicked when he spoke about his writing, and and I, I love that he says that. Look, don't let anyone ever tell you they know how to write. It's impossible. Like it's an impossible task. So no one knows how to do it. Everyone's just guessing. Yeah, but kind of coming to terms with the fact that writing is the central organising principle of my life. And so uh, the moment I came to terms with that, the next book kind of stirred inside me, and here I am writing again. Fabulous, really, really good. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the concept of the book because. For anyone who hasn't seen it yet, it's several chapters, but they're really, really short chapters or, or excerpts. When did you come up with this concept and why did you decide on this particular format for the book? To be honest, it, the concept originated when I was school chaplain at Mulwarry High School in Goulburn. Uh, I got the opportunity, they called me Chapo, that was my nickname. I got the opportunity to do Chapo's Thought of the Week on school assembly and I was given two minutes and it had to be meaningful, memorable, impactful funny, engaging. Like it was, it was a a high bar to get over. And if it was anything other than that, I was going to get mauled by 800 kids. (laughs) So no pressure. (laughs) No pressure at all. So every Thursday morning, I'd just be sweating. Be like, what am I going to say today? Uh, But somehow every week I'd, I'd craft something, get up there and share it. And then I'd publish it in the school newsletter and kind of got a bit of a cult following and the kids really enjoyed it. And uh, I still get messages of kids who actually cut out those uh, excerpts from the school newsletter and stuck them on their wall. And so it was like, wow, okay, it turns out that I can say something meaningful in a short amount of time. And then when I finished it at the school, I thought, I wonder if I could take those, these concepts and put them on radio. The local radio station gave me a start. It cost me two grand a month for the right of being able to do a thought of the week, uh, which was yeah. exorbitant. Yeah. But I had, to, I had to prove it was possible. Uh, and so as soon as I kind of got a couple of months in and had a bit of content, then I went to a different radio station and said, look, I'm already doing it here. And one thing led to another and then I got an opportunity to be uh, a content provider for a national radio network um, and and then was away pre- presenting these pre-recorded one minute. That, that's I, So I got cut down from two minutes to one. You got 60 seconds to say something, Jamin. Yeah. And so uh, the, the writing was the, was the, is the flow on of these radio segments um, and, you know, eventually have come up with 365 of those over the last five years and, and so now turned that into a book so there's a thought for the day so good I mean like for anyone that doesn't know you also have a podcast and your podcast is only 10 minutes long 
And when I listen to it, because I do a lot, I'm like, wow, how do you manage to fit all of that in 10 minutes? But it's obviously because <laughs> you've had a lot of practice <laughs> with uh, squeezing a lot of information into one or two minutes. Fascinating. And isn't it amazing actually to reflect on that just for the idea that you don't actually need a lot of time to convey a message? Well, I mean, it's interesting listening to public speakers and, and something that I learned so early on was do not no wheel spinning, like, and don't just add to the noise. So when you have the privilege of having some kind of platform, just get to the point, <laughs> like just say what you're going to say and then stop saying anything else. And it's just drilled inside me that there's so much noise out there. So many people saying a lot of stuff that's not really adding any value. And so I think, yeah, both the, the 60 second sound bite is just to get straight to the point and then 10 minutes obviously a bit longer but just make it as erudite as possible um, and, and I think people appreciate that they appreciate the, the fact they don't have to wade through a bunch of waffle first to get to the gold absolutely absolutely and also you know it strikes me that it's also a little bit of a I mean there's no wonder you've called it the one minute coach because it is sort of a coaching strategy isn't it to say the least amount possible to have the most impact to push you forward on the most action yeah, yeah absolutely it is it's all pragmatic it's what, what's going to work best what's going to optimize your experience of life so yeah you're right it's to cut out the stuff that's not optimal um, so yeah it is a model for thinking about other areas of your life too how could you make this as simple as possible but no simpler yeah absolutely so in terms of us taking a bit of a lateral view now on your business as a whole and what you you know your work as an insecurity coach in our efforts to uncover our, our insecurity what role do you see a book like this one playing in that journey because insecurity is such a vulnerable subject and people are insecure about being insecure, it's it's a very difficult subject to wade into. Um, so my whole strategy with the insecurity project is to speak to the elephant in the room and because some people are ready for that. Some people are ready to go, uh, this is confronting and I'm terrified, but there's no point pretending anything else is true or important for me right now, so I'm ready to dive in. Other people are far more nervous about the subject. So I feel like a lot of my work is like coaxing scared kittens out from under the lounge with a saucer of milk. <laughs> you know, it's it's going to be okay. So how do I dial down the angst people feel toward this subject? So I think the one-minute coach is a far more palatable way into the idea of personal development. Uh, you know, what, you pick up the Insecurity Project book and it's like, oh, my goodness, this is going to slap me in the face from page one, you know, which it does. One-minute coach, well, no, it's not slapping anyone in the face. What, what could possibly be the danger of reading a 60-second insight about some area of life? So I think it's just an easy way to shift the needle slightly. And as you do that, you're kind of moving into this bigger space and being drawn into the possibility that you could actually address the things that are deeply terrifying to you, that, that have always limited you, that you've never had a framework for, that you've always just kind of suppressed in your life. You, you could think more clearly about those things and, and eventually overcome them when you're ready. Yeah what, yeah, what an excellent take on that. And that is true. I mean, certainly the way I've been reading the book is sort of that flip, you know, flip to a random page, which, you know, you mentioned was actually the intention of creating it in that way. And it is interesting for that because I'm someone who's sort of, I believe I'm open to looking at my insecurities and I'm not scared of them really. But what this has, the experience of reading the book this way has made me go, ah, oh, like there's obviously some more things that I need to really look at here. And it's, a, as you say, it's a really gentle way of 
coaxing your mind into that into that area and obviously you can shut it and walk away and do nothing about it you can follow the hunch yeah that's, that's exactly right it's just helping people realize that they're, they're doing the best they knew how they know how so if they could see a better way then naturally they'd step into that so uh, a gentle way of giving people more choice and more awareness about what's going on and how to improve their situation and was writing this book for you in any way i guess a lesson in in what you're teaching others to do like is your insecurity journey continuing? Oh, I'm non-negotiable about smoking what I'm selling. So the, the difficulty of every one of those 365 segments is that they are all road tested. So they're all out of the overflow of my own experience. Uh, it would be horrible to write stuff that I haven't experienced or I haven't lived or seen, seen the fruit of. So it's definitely out of, out of my journey. Um, the way that I understand insecurity and solving it, I think it's entirely possible to solve insecurity at the current level of growth, like to, to actually be unhindered by it, to be able to show up here and now uh, at your best where it matters most. Um, the challenge then arises because of that freedom to be here, you're naturally going to take new territory and explore, explore new boundaries, which is going to push you into new levels of uncertainty, which therefore will inevitably uncover new insecurities. Mm. You'll, you'll reach limits in your story. You'll see that you've decided internally that you're good enough for this level, but are you good enough for that level? You know, you're good enough to earn this kind of money, but are you good enough to earn that kind of money? You're good enough to solve this kind of problem for this kind of person, but what about that kind of problem for that kind of person? So I think... It's, it is ongoing in the fact that growth is ongoing. Every living thing grows. You know, it's grow or die. So growth opens up new limits in our mind. Um, but that's cool because the same seven practices that solve the insecurity problem at the last level solves it at the next level as well. I was actually saw a quote the other day about when you ask the universe to, you know, take you to the next level, you must be prepared for the work that's going to hit you in the face in order to get there. It's not like, you know, you can rest on your laurels and get what you're expecting without having to get into the uncomfortable. I think that's right. I think growth always comes through challenge. That's how we grow. We have to resist something and learn lessons and overcome problems. And hopefully the quality of our problems is, is improving along the way. I think that's the aim of the game. Solve this problem so you can earn a higher quality problem down the road. You know, the aim is not to avoid problems. Um, the illusion that success is somehow the easy road it's strange. You know, life is suffering. That's every road's involved. Every road road has suffering. The aim is to choose a path that has meaningful suffering and suffering that is leading you to a bigger life and a more purposeful life and a life that you desire rather than the suffering that comes from running and hiding and avoiding challenge and never addressing things that are holding you back. Very well said. So as small business owners, which obviously all of the people listening to this podcast are, it can be tempting and actually can most of the time probably feel practical to focus on the mechanics and the challenges and the nuts and bolts of our business that we're facing every day. But the focus of your work really sets our site far more inward. What do you think can be gained for us as small business owners by tackling our insecurity? I mean, clearly both go hand in hand. To run a successful business, you need a high level of skill uh, and actually a high level of confidence. You got to build the mechanics. You got to understand how to run business successfully. You got to understand your, your marketing strategy. That how to how to build a team. How to pitch your products and services effectively. Um, but eventually, your confidence in your ability to be the kind of person who can stand up and speak out. If you don't address the internal thinking and belief structure about whether you're capable to do that, whether you belong there, whether you deserve that, whether you're an imposter. 
eventually that does become the lid on your growth with 100% certainty. So uh, personal development is an essential part of growth. It's impossible to achieve your potential in life if you're not updating the quality of your beliefs about yourself. That, that goes hand in hand. Um, perhaps it's, it's uh, less uh, understood by business owners because there's less quality conversation about that. I, I'm not sure why it seems so strange for business owners that this would be a part of the process. But I think when you can see that it's just as predictable and, and just as structured as the mechanics for understanding a business plan, then I think, again, it dials down the angst. People go, oh, okay, cool. Well, well, there's some science to this. There's a path to walk. This is a predictable process for how any human being evolves and grows and, and is comfortable in their own skin and finds their voice and is able to uh, to stand up and be the person they desire to be without all of these fears and insecurities and terror that on some level that they don't belong there or they're going to get found out. So, uh, yeah, to me it just makes total sense that it's it's part of the equation of a successful life and a successful business. Great answer. And the, the final question then really is what do you think is a trigger for realizing this? Do we get to a state where we're completely uncomfortable in some area of our life or, or what is it? that makes us go, oh, maybe there is something else here I need to look at. Well, it's interesting because I'm I'm constantly assessing that very question myself, what creates readiness for change? Because coaching only operates in the readiness for change space. You know, it's not, I'm not here telling people what they need to do or suggesting people must address certain areas. I'm just available when people are ready. So my question is always, when are people ready? Uh, and it seems to me that readiness peaks midlife um, for a bunch of reasons. I think two of the most interesting reasons about why kind of 35 to 45 seems like peak readiness for these kind of conversations is firstly, a person in that season of life is actually willing to be wrong about a, about a bunch of stuff, perhaps for the first time. And 20-year-olds are not ready to be wrong about much yet. You know, as a 20-year-old, you kind of, no, no, I'm going to do it my way. Uh, my way is better than your way. Uh, I'm going to, I'll show you how smart I am. So you're not really ready for counterintuitive and, and different ideas as a 20-year-old. And, and I'm not sure it's, it's uh, possible to be wrong when you're 60 either. I think the cost of being wrong at 60 is pretty dramatic because it kind of like, hang on, if I've been wrong for 60 years, uh, <laughs> what does that mean about me? What does that mean about everything I've done? Um, whereas to be wrong at 35 is like, huh, look at that. I always thought that was true, but what have I been missing? Clearly my strategy isn't working. There must be another way to think about this and it's not too late to make some change. Ready to be wrong. And, and I think pain, like, like you suggested, I think just this frustration or even exhaustion that your strategies of improving yourself and your business and reaching your potential aren't actually working. You know, there's so much rhetoric in our 20s and early 30s about I'm getting there, I'm doing it, it's just around the corner, this next thing's going to be the thing. Uh, and then you kind of mid, mid, midlife are kind of like, I'm so exhausted by that. And it turns out I haven't actually made the progress I thought I was going to be making. That hurts. Like that really hurts. But out of that pain, out of that real intense pain, it creates massive readiness and motivation to go, okay, well then I, I actually have to do things differently because I'm not willing for this pain to continue in the next season of my life. Amazing. Very compelling answer. And also I guess if anyone's listening to this and feeling 
in any way, <laughs> a little bit of that, then buying your book would be a really good place to start. Yeah, either of them, the one minute coach, if you're looking for a gentle way in, uh, if you're ready for a slap in the face and, and no mucky ground, <laughs> the insecurity <laughs> project, uh, the seven essential practices for overcoming insecurity. Brilliant. Jamin, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and best of luck with writing the new book. Thanks very much, Lucy. Thanks for having me. 